If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with Amy Balliot, who is the author of Killer Visual Strategies. She also has her own agency, which has helped global brands, including Microsoft, Boeing, Adobe, Nikon, Starbucks, and more to basically just to really get people to take notice and most importantly, to take action. So if you've ever wondered how you personally can get into a space to be able to confidently show your stories and how to create great brand assets and how to really get your message out there in a visual way because visual storytelling is is so powerful. If you want to learn how to do that for your brand and business to skyrocket your income, to get more exposure, to reach more people, Amy is a gal. So Amy, thank you so much for being here on the Addicted to Success podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So Amy, what fascinates you most about visual storytelling? And visual strategy. I love that question. Nobody's actually asked me that, which is so funny because I mean, it's my entire career at this point. So what fascinates me the most is the fact that it is instinctual, that visual communication is so inherent in us, yet it's something that we don't take advantage of nearly enough. And so for me, I look at visual communication and visual storytelling as the primary way that anybody should market their business or grow their brand, yet it's usually the second or third or even fourth thought of how to start marketing your company or building your brand story. And so for me, it's just, it's such a fascinating tool. It's such an amazing, simple way to apply our own, you know, instincts and cravings for content, but people aren't doing it nearly enough. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I, over the years with Addicted to Success, we've had a lot of success with infographics. We've had a lot of success with viral video content. That's what's really put us on the map. Uh, picture quotes as well. 12 years ago, I remember searching for picture quotes and there would be like this flower in a field and then word art on top of that picture of the flower it says like follow your dreams i was like oh this is not aesthetically pleasing <laughs> so we went in and just designed a ton I'm, I'm talking thousands of different picture quotes and and obviously nowadays you see so many people are doing it but back then it was just really about getting uh powerful words and profound sayings out there in a way where it's palpable by the eye so people can see it and go wow i really want to share this that was the the goal so i'm a big believer that 
the visual is, is huge. So how do we really tap into the power of this? What platforms do we use? What software do we use? Like what, what's your, your base, your strategy? What do you do? So first and foremost, the best way to create great visual content is honestly doing it custom every single time. And, and to do it custom, you need the Adobe Creative Suite. That is the best tool set. Um, for instance, Adobe Illustrator is one of the primary tools that we use every single day. Um, Adobe After Effects, if you're creating motion graphics, is really important. But a lot of startups, a lot of you know, self-funded bootstrapped entrepreneurs, they can't go out and sit there and, and, and be paying for the Adobe Creative Cloud for every single member of their team nor can they maybe even afford agencies to go create this work for them. So there are some good online DIY tools. There's actually only one that I will 100% say, this tool is really striving to be a great tool for the DIY folk. And, and that is Canva. Canva is a tool that honestly, you look at every other DIY visual communication tool out there and it just doesn't hold a candle to Canva. So if nothing else, if you can't get the Adobe Creative Cloud, get Canva and pay for a subscription for that because that's a great way to create really compelling visual stories. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm a big Adobe fan. I've got Adobe Audition to edit my podcast uh, interviews that were, you know, the one we're on right now, be editing uh, this in there and Adobe Photoshop. You know, it's interesting. I, I spent almost six hours, that's it watching YouTube videos to learn how to use the tools on Photoshop. And it was the best six hours I've ever spent in my life in the way of learning a skill set to advance my business because I got so sick of waiting for people to, <laughs> you know, graphic design and get onto things. And so I could just jump on and do some of the smaller things myself. I don't do the really big projects. I pay someone else to do it uh, like our infographics and some of the big like cover designs and that as well. So, so this, is, uh, this is really great. I like this. Now, let's say you've got someone listening right now, and I'm sure there's many people out there that's listening, that has a, a social media presence to some degree. They've started to build on social media. Uh, they're starting to put some video content out there. You've worked with some huge global brands. What are some of the strategies that you've implemented with some of these huge brands that if you were to kind of simplify it down and bring it into a space for like your everyday person that's building their personal brand, what are some of the strategies they could implement? Yeah, definitely. So one of the biggest strategies, and this is one of those things that tends to be hard for a startup, but I do really push it. Don't use stock. Don't use stock photo. Don't use stock imagery, the fact of the matter is, is today's audiences are actually pretty turned off by stock. So instead, if you can't afford an agency, if you can't do the work yourself, hire a good freelancer. There, there's thousands of amazing freelancers out there that you could be working with. Bring on a good freelancer who is great at illustration, as well as great at layout and typography. If they can do those three things really well, then you know that they're going to actually execute on high quality content for you. The next thing you have to consider is never mix illustration styles. This is something that happens so often in visual content and visual communication. 
Um, you see people out there just pulling a bunch of stock imagery together and it ends up being all these conflicting illustration styles that actually turns off the eye. So if you're going to use a DIY tool that is rooted in stock vector assets, um, stock illustrations, make sure that you're pulling from the same illustration family as you're doing that work. Um, another big thing, fonts. Choose three fonts. Do not use more than three fonts um, in any piece of content that you create. It's such a small, weird, tiny detail, but it's so funny when you suddenly use four different fonts in a single piece of content, it looks like low quality content and turns off your audience. So three fonts at most, I, I would prefer one or two. If you're going to use fonts, make sure they're uniform, always the same size for every headline and the same font choice. Then do a different font for your subtext, always the same size. You know, just, just focus on uniformity. Ultimately, if you think about it, think about what attracts you to a person, that it's symmetry. Oftentimes when we think about who attractive people are in the world, it's they have symmetr symmetrical faces. And the same concept applies to design. Our instinctual response to visual content is, are we attracted to it? So we look for symmetry, we look for uniformity, we, we don't want something to just be flare for flare's sake. Focus instead on just keeping things simple and clean and uniform. And you're going to get a lot of people excited about your content. Yeah, I love this. So what about shifting people's beliefs through a visual education? Yeah, that's one of the best things about visual communication. I mean, let's, let's peel the onion back for a second. The fact of the matter is the reason visual communication is so powerful is because visual information gets to the brain 60,000 times faster than any other form of communication that exists. Our brains are truly hardwired to take in visual information different than anything else. Um, a way to think about that is we'll take in about 36,000 visual messages subconsciously in a given hour but we can only read about 15,000 words in a given hour. We then have to string those words together to create sentences and string those sentences together to create meaning. So there's this clear math we could put to it, basically saying, do you want to get 36,000 messages across to your audience or do you want to get maybe about, I don't know, a couple hundred clear sentences? And so when you think about it that way and you pull it back to the fact that this is so instinctual and so much about just who we are, it, then at that point, you can start to consider how are you going to apply this across all of the content in your, and, and, and how you are helping increase understanding. The fact is, is if you take universal iconography and you, com you combine it with very, very short text, you increase comprehension by 89%. And so the concept of visual communication is simply that you're letting the visuals speak louder than words. The words become the afterthought. They bring a little bit of context to those visuals. And if you're doing that, you're not only increasing understanding, you're getting to the brain so much faster that you can actually impact action very quickly. 
And if you can impact action, think of all the things that you can do. You can subconsciously drive people to make positive choices in their lives. You can subconsciously help people learn faster and help people educate themselves about your product or service in ways that they couldn't if they were just simply reading a guidebook on it. And so when we think about impacting positive change or we think about impacting understanding and education, visual communication cuts through all the noise and gets through all the barriers and our brain comprehends it better than anything else. So it's the best and most powerful tool out there to accomplish those goals. Wow, powerful stuff. It's funny when you broke down how our brain actually operates. I know that our conscious part of our brain operates at 40 bits or downloads 40 bits per second. The, the unconscious part is downloading 40 million bits per second on average. It's a huge difference. And so in that, there's an energy that people are picking up on on a subconscious level they don't even know of. So when you're sharing your visuals, when people are telling story, it's almost like people are gauging subconsciously whether that person's lying, if, <laughs> if they actually believe what they're saying, right? And I think that we're actually getting better at that and faster at picking up on it because there is so much noise in the world, right? So how do we stand out? Apart from what I just mentioned there of like being more authentic, how else do we stand out in a noisy world? So I love what you just said because it points to two things that answer that question. Um, the first thing it points to is, is that fact that we are subconsciously taking in information nonstop. And when you think about that, when you think about the fact that that 60,000 times faster stat, that equals about 50 milliseconds all the way down to 13 milliseconds, depending on the person, okay? Well, we also form a first impression in 50 milliseconds subconsciously. And 94% of first impressions are based on design. So before anybody reads your headline, your tagline, whatever your elevator pitches, before they read that, they're subconsciously making a decision and a first impression about your brand and service based entirely on the design of your website, the design of the collateral they're seeing on social for the first time. Whatever it might be, they're looking at the design first, and that is how our brain is determining whether or not your brand or service is worth our attention and our time. Now, the second aspect of that, which also plays into what you just said, is a rule that I have in my book. It's called stand out at the cocktail party. Pretty common idea. The, the, the concept that your name is the most beautiful word in language to you personally, okay? So Joel is the most beautiful word in, in language for you. Amy is the most beautiful word in language for me. Really what that means is simply, let's say we're at a very loud, very noisy cocktail party. We're standing in the living room and over in the kitchen, somebody says Joel or somebody says Amy. It doesn't matter what conversation we're in in that moment. We're going to have our ears perk up and suddenly start listening in on the conversation going on in that kitchen because our brain is taking in all these subconscious messages and deciding what to bring to the conscious surface at all times. The same concept can be considered when it comes to design. Illustration styles speak to people in different ways. Font choices speak to people in different ways. Color choices speak to people in different ways. And so you have to consider who your target audience is. And 
as opposed to trying to go after a very wide net, trying to go after the everyman and create viral content, consider the top 100 people who, if you got them to change their mind and buy your product or service, how many people would they tell? Who are those early adopters that you need to turn? And create content that speaks only to them. Create an illustration style that stands out at the cocktail party, that speaks only to them, that resonates with them. So every little choice you make really has to focus on that target audience at all times and hit their subconscious mind to then bring up to their conscious surface. Yeah, that is magnificent. I love it. I love how the brain works. I love how you break that down. Thank you so much, Amy. So I, I'm a big... Uh, I'm a big I'm a big driver for really going the original route. You know, I, I push it a lot. I say like, you know, flesh your creativity, own your potential, step into it. I feel like a lot of people nowadays will post what's popular because they see it's done well or they see it's viral rather than getting to a space of trusting themselves and their creative abilities to come up with something that's that's come from their mind and they say no idea is original okay i get it we've got reference points for coming off at the same time you look on social media so much of it is just the same and very rarely now and then you see something you're like oh wow that's that's something new and we had uh sally hogshead on the podcast many years back if you know who sally is she's a she's yep. a big market expert. And, and sally said you know it's easier to be different than it is to be better and that really stuck with me. I was like, wow, we don't have to try so hard to try and be better than. It's about us expressing what makes us different. What are your thoughts around this? How do you support someone that's building their brand online and they're struggling with coming up with something original or even tapping into their creativity and they may not have the budget to pay a firm to do it? Maybe they're working towards that as they achieve more within their business what would your advice be on just really stepping into creativity and, and practicing it today rather than, you know, down the line because you keep relying on the popular stuff to get you by? Definitely. You know, I think that while these two terms are not by any means synonymous, they, they bring about the same reaction, different and authentic. The, the fact of the matter is, is it almost feels different just seeing something truly authentic. If you're willing to be yourself, if you're willing to share your mistakes without, you know, letting pride get in the way, if you're willing to be vulnerable to your audience and talk to your audience in ways that help them instead of in ways that only help you, these are authentic actions that then take the channel that you want or take the, the media medium that you want. You can have those authentic actions, for instance, happen in a podcast. You can have them happen in a vlog. You can have them happen in written content with visuals added to the written content so people read it. Um, you can have that authenticity come through in many different ways. And really what matters is just simply leading with your authentic self. There's a reason stock imagery doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work because it's so inauthentic and because we're an Instagram-driven culture. We are all professional photographers thanks to Instagram. And so we don't want to be finding some posed, honestly, crap in a, a, a stock, stock 
pro profile of work where any other competitor is going to grab that work as well. We seek authenticity in the brands that we connect with the most. And so if you can be that authentic self or, or if you can make sure that you find ways to lead with authenticity with your brand, that is different. That is something that stands out because there's a lot of fakeness these days. So we really need something original, which is just being you. Amen to that. Amen to that. And there's a lot of kind of inner work around that too, you know, having that that certainty in what it is that you're offering. I think a lot of people don't know who their audience is or they haven't sat down and got clear. So they're just creating mishmashy stuff to just get it out there. Uh, I often say that courage is one of your greatest credibilities. You know, when you aren't playing it safe anymore, because that's what it is. When you post popular uh, or you, you parrot information or whatever it is, you're playing it safe when you're stepping out and you're, you're owning your vulnerability and you're stepping your potential. People are like, oh, wow, there's some courage to that. They can actually respect that. You know, so I read uh, recently that this was a, a study that was done, I think about five or six years back. And it said that humans right now have the attention span of around eight seconds. And a goldfish is nine seconds. <laughs> so we're worse than a goldfish. And, and, and I don't know, like there's more to that study, but essentially like we're, we're just heavily like distracted and ADHD right now with all this, this quick 15 second videos on Insta story and little like three second clips on Instagram that we kind of laugh at and keep it moving. So how do we capture attention visually? What, what's an example of like some campaigns you've done where, it just blew people out of the water. So uh, I'll tell you a funny side, side note to that. The very first person who ever put that goldfish stat out was me. And so when oh, it you, was? <laughs> yeah. So what it was, was Microsoft did a study and, and Microsoft did this study to identify attention span and it came down to eight seconds. I saw that study and I was looking for a way to talk about attention span that would really hook an audience at Adobe Max. And I, I started looking, okay, what has an attention span longer than eight seconds? That would be a good, funny joke. Found that goldfish have a nine second attention span and bam, that was the joke. I put it out, it got published. I, I published it in a lot of places as well. But anytime you hear that, it, it was actually, it's, I don't want to brag because it kind of sounds braggy, but that was originally my quote. And I have <laughs> brought it up a couple of times because I've had people come to me with a quote. And I'm like, I know that quote. I got it. Um, and the, <laughs> the, the thing is, I can actually answer your question perfectly because I brought up that quote for a reason. It was a, a rule. I have a lot of different rules about visual communication. In fact, this was one that didn't make my book. And it didn't make my book because attention spans are even shorter now. And there are some better comparisons. Attention spans are five seconds now. Um, but the the rule is, People care less than goldfish. So how do you respond? You have a visual hook that hooks your audience before they swim away with the rest of the fish. So the concept is lead with a powerful illustration. We judge a book by its cover all the time. Have a powerful illustration that showcases the main message or the main point or topic that you're trying to share. The likelihood that that will hook your audience in the five seconds or so that you have to hook them now is much higher than if you lead with text or a photo. Amy, you're killing me. 
when's it gonna when's it gonna be down to one second <laughs> i know right it's just zero it's just like no one cares anymore <laughs> and it's tripping me out that you actually came up with that because you know i've known that for a little while now and I, and and just to hear you say that you you were behind that is just really awesome so Good stuff. And this is what we need as well. We need, we need these awesome examples that you've come up with to make us think like you're, you're getting us to think about the importance of capturing attention. You know, I think a lot of people don't understand that. I know that where we've done really well with addicted to success has been through the visual. And I know this it's, it's the fastest medium to be able to communicate to others, you know, and I feel like we've kind of been a bit spoiled on social media. It's almost to the point where it has to be way better visually. The audio has to uh, have like a really on point beat or tune to it in the background. It has to be just like, you know, super effects and everything going on in order for us to even feel some form of stimulation. So it's kind of scary to be honest. It's funny. I I often say we're, um, we have, diamond plated expectations these days and it is because we just we love being entertained and netflix and prime and and all of those all of those channels out there that are just streaming blockbuster entertainment into our living rooms they've ruined us they've made it so that our expectations are so high and we expect brands to keep up we expect brands to keep up with multi-million dollar budgets it's it's kind of crazy yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane. So there's some good software out there, you know, so, so if you, it's pretty cool what we can do nowadays compared to 10 years. I remember when I first got in the game, it was almost like you wouldn't even have the software or be able to afford the software that a lot of these big studios have. And we can just have it on our, on our smartphone now. It's so crazy. Um, I know that you speak into triggers, social triggers. Uh, if you could define what that is first, and then share with us how we can uh, implement some social triggers or, or to be able to get our audience to hit the right social triggers. How do we do this? I mean, we're seeing social triggers divide our nation right now in the United States. We're seeing visual content being used to really start divisive conversations on social media all the time. Cambridge Analytica really hit the nail on the head when they said, let's find a way to use visual media to attack people's kind of worst fears in a sense. And so what we're seeing right now in politics is this concept of, um, you know, you were talking earlier about quote cards. What we see often now in politics is a politician a photo of a politician screaming with a very negative quote over that photo. And there's no source for that quote, but we see the quote over the photo and we assume, oh, that politician said exactly what that quote was. Now I hate that politician because we see an angering visual of the politician with a quote that goes against our own morals. In reality, a large percentage of of the time, that politician never once said that, but we're so used to uh, confirmation bias in our culture that, that we see a visual that confirms our biggest fears and we believe it immediately instead of checking the source. So when we think about social triggers, 
we have to consider the fact that propaganda has always taken advantage of social triggers and propaganda has always taken advantage of visual communication. It's one in the same. And so if we want to impact positive change, we can oddly take a lesson from the negative aspects of propaganda and find ways to create content that utilizes positive imagery. Um, I recently saw a, a commercial, for instance, that was about just becoming more of a unified culture. It wasn't for one end of the aisle over another. It was just simply, hey, maybe we put down Facebook for a while and we just talk to each other like normal human beings. And it utilized photography and videos of people across cultures, people across demographics coming together in a united front, really focused on the fact that we are all as a world experiencing the same trauma right now. It doesn't matter if you believe in wearing masks or not, we're all experiencing the same trauma. And so why don't we focus on that and unite? And that's really the message of this commercial that I saw. Every visual choice was a visual that was focused on hope and unifying as opposed to any divisive content and visuals. And so when we think about those social triggers, it is really about taking the current moment and the current moment could be the moment right now in 2020, we could be in another current moment in 2021 and so on, but it's taking the current moment and finding ways to use that to bring us together versus using it to divide us through the visual choices that we make. Yeah. Like we're saying before, special effects is getting pretty good. So I'm just waiting for the media to start blasting out, you know, arrivals of aliens and all sorts of right? <laughs> crazy stuff. I'm like, okay, where, where's this year going? Where are we going? <laughs> is, is this just like one giant simulation? They're testing this like <laughs> new tech on us. Or like what's going on here? So I, yeah, I get it. And, and the, yeah, it's crazy. The, the power of, the visual, it's an amazing medium. It could be used for good or evil. You know, we have a lot of this like subconscious, they call it MK Ultra, if you like want to go into what would be conspiracy, but also some truth to it as well of, of like this brainwashing that's happening to us. And it's like, how about brainwashing in a positive way? You know, because exactly. it's the washing of the brain, right? That's essentially what it is. And you could do it in positive or a negative sense. So I like that. And it's about how you feel, your association with whatever that brand is, that person is. Um, I feel like your identity plays a really big part in it. And I think that the more clear that someone can understand what your identity is, no matter how much maybe the media or somebody tries to attack your character, if you've got your identity across more, people would defend you more so because they feel like they know you more. So there's more of this like, authentic connection that's at play if you get better at confidently sharing who you are you know it's kind of hard to rock someone that's been that's been showing up very authentically for a very long time you know exactly you know i, I heard a really amazing quote the other day that i wish our whole world would just live by um and it was it was a quote from one of the beastie boys uh, from the beastie boys documentary but it was <laughs> um i would rather be a hypocrite than not learn anything or something like that. I would, I would rather be a hypocrite in life than not learn and evolve and grow. And, and it, it's that concept where I, I think we all live in a world where people are so focused on just 
saying one truth and living by that truth instead of being moved to one end or the other and realizing that there's a lot of gray area and we could all unite in that gray area versus trying to sit on one side or another of, of black and white. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think the, the media is one of the biggest culprits for sure, because it's like, you know, what here's left, here's right. Here's blood, here's crip. Yep. You know, here's North versus size and it's, and, and the human mind feels like you've got it. Like we're, we're trained to pick a side. It's like, you've got to pick a side. Uh, and that's unfortunately more so of what's in, in society than to go being in the practice of, Hey guys, let's just come together. Let's break bread. Let's have communion. Let's sit together at the same table and seek to understand it's just not happening, you know? So yeah, we're in interesting times. The, visual content that you create, right? And that your team creates break down for us. What are the areas that you, you spend most of your time focused on so that anyone that is an entrepreneur right now that is looking at really visually stepping it up and getting their message out there in a more powerful way, what should they be spending more of their time and energy on? So I, I would say there's a couple of areas. First, your visual language. Your visual language is a little bit more than your brand. It's, you know, when we, when we figure out what our brand is, we're, we're focused on logos, we're focused on font choices, color choices. We rarely identify a key illustration style for our brand. But an illustration style is really a necessity these days. A data visualization style is a necessity these days. So identifying what those styles are, how you use photography and how you use iconography. All of those things should be figured out up front. And then I highly encourage entrepreneurs to create what we call a workbench of assets. That's where you identify all the different icons you might need over the course of a few years. You identify all of the different illustrations that you might need over the course of the next six months or so. And then you identify maybe 20 or 30 key statistics that prove the value of your product and you get those visualized ahead of time. Now you have this toolkit of assets that acts like a stock image library, but it's custom to you. So nobody else can have it, but you can use it with the efficiency of stock imagery. So you can quickly create a nice aesthetic website where everything looks the same instead of mixed styles throughout. And you can pull that content into a pitch deck and pull that content into all of your social um, your social um, micro narratives that you put out there as well. So it gives you a great toolkit to work with. So that's one thing. But then once you have that foundation, then for us, what we really focus on with our clients is saying, who are your target audiences? Um, because you have more than one. You usually have a few customer personas. So now that we know your customer personas, let's identify how we're going to visually speak to each customer persona. Maybe the same illustration style works across all of them. Maybe we have to change them up a little bit depending on who we're talking to. The next thing we want to identify is what goals are we trying to solve with each one of these customer personas? What are we trying to get them excited about? And then we want to write those narratives first. And one of the biggest tricks that people don't realize is don't have your designer be your writer also. Always keep those two people separate but always write your content first. It will inform every design choice you make. But when you write first, and instead of having the writer be the designer, when you have the writer do all of the work first, 
they're going to write the best possible narratives for your for your target customers. If the designer writes, they're going to write the best narrative to design to, not the best narrative to speak to your target customers. So keep those two separate. And the other thing I say is every piece of visual content you make should be like building a house. Plan where all the rooms are going to be first. And, and that's kind of like planning your content. What is the flow of the house going to be? That's your, that's your narrative. Next, build your blueprints. And that means wireframe that content out. Actually sketch it before you design it. Make all of your design decisions as a group, as a committee. Don't just put your designer on the, on the table to do it all because your designer is going to make choices that speak to their demographic, not necessarily always to the demographic of your customers. So sketch together, plan that layout together, then let the designer move forward and build the house. So it's, you know, plan the flow of the rooms, make the blueprints, then build the house. Yeah, I like this. I like this. I hope you're taking note. If you're watching this right now, or listening to this, take note. Great stuff, Amy. Amy, the social triggers that we were talking about before, what are the eight social triggers? If you could just break them down, one by, just one by one, what are they so that we can note these down? Yeah, open. definitely. So those are like eight rules of visual communication. And I have a lot, about 20, but I have eight in the book. Um, so one of my favorite rules is the first rule. Always think about context. It's a con when there's too much text, simply put. Um, another rule, avoid the stigma of stock, which we've talked about. Avoid stock imagery. Um, another one, always stand out at the cocktail party, which we've discussed as well. Um, another one, great visual st strategists ask WTF, which means not WTF in reality. It means why that font? In other words, choose the right fonts. Don't, don't just simply <laughs> choose a font willy-nilly. Fonts do carry forward meaning. Another one, there's no gold at the end of that rainbow. What I mean by that is don't make a colorful catastrophe. Don't, don't make your content so colorful that people start looking for meaning in the colors themselves. Um, the, the reality is color psychology, it, it works for small subsets of people, but you can't cast a wide net with color psychology. Red doesn't always mean anger. Um, it doesn't always mean that somebody's going to click a button and buy. So don't put too much into color theory. Instead, just consider limiting your colors and choosing your colors wisely to reflect your brand and, and using them properly in your design so that if you're going to use purple throughout your design as an accent color, make sure you're accenting the same con type of content each time. Um, another rule, use proper data viz. It's, it's ridiculous how often we see content with really bad data visualizations. And in a, in a society of where people just really lack trust these days in the media that they see, one mistake in data viz could mean losing the trust of your audience entirely. So use proper data viz throughout. Um, that actually leads very well to commit to the truth and prove it. The fact of the matter is, is today's audiences, they are not taking the time to really dive in and see if what you're saying is true. If you source what you're saying, though, if you actually include the sources in your content and their original sources, not secondary or tertiary, 
you're going to gain the trust of your audience far more as a result. So I just listed off seven. Now, of course, I'm, I'm forgetting one of the eight on the top of my head. Um, I might have to think about that one for a second. Uh, be, uh, be better than a goldfish. <laughs> I like that. You see, that's the thing. I, I purposefully kept that rule out of my book and I keep going back to it thinking, man, this rule should have been in my book. It's one of my favorite to share with people. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I just kept it out of the book because the statistics keep changing on attention span. And I, I wanted to commit to the truth and prove it rule. And then I didn't want somebody to come back and say, well, this is an old statistic. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. You want consistency. All right. Well, so I read a book a little while back called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Have you read that book? I haven't yeah. read it, but I've heard of it. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome. I, I love Cal's way of thinking. Uh, he did really well back in the day in uh, his entrepreneurial journeys. And at the same time, he just so wasn't concerned with social media. He focused a lot on writing his own book. He said that, you know, other people will give me a platform to feature on if I do good work and deep work. And he proved it to be true. And one of the things that Cal said in the book which is really profound was he says that he believes the most important commodity in our future. And this was written years ago. Remember this is focus. Whoever can focus the longest will win because we are going into more of a world of higher and higher amounts of distraction and it's getting faster and faster. So he said, whoever can sit and really just focus on their craft one by one, get the things done that they need to do. will will stand apart from everyone else. And he said this, he caught it years ago. So I love that you've shared what you've shared around the goldfish uh, analogy. And then we now have, have this as well. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's concerning for those that aren't willing to sit down and pay attention and get clear. And it's a winning edge for those that are ready to, to buckle, buckle down and, and get clear on, okay, what's my message? Who's my audience? How would I love to share, share story? Where am I most passionate? And like tapping into that. One of the things that I feel like so many people struggle with, I'm sure you, you probably agree, is struggling with message. Do you have any advice around how to tap into your message? Yeah, you know, it starts with your audience. And, and the thing is, is we had our message when we started our company. Uh, so the company is also called Killer Visual Strategies, but it used to be called Killer Infographics. And that's because we only focused on infographics in the beginning. And even that was us choosing a focus and choosing a niche. So what you said is, A, extremely poignant for anybody who's trying to get ahead, but it kind of also works for your company. If your company is super niche and focused, you can be a big fish in a small pond and then keep growing from there. Um, but, you know, our original message was basically set in our name, Killer Infographics. Um, when we transition to killer visual strategies, we probably did it five years later than we needed to because we transitioned our services really early on to all forms of visual, visual content. But when we transitioned to killer visual strategies, we realized we actually lost what such a targeted name brought us and we had to do a new exercise on messaging. And in that new exercise, the very first thing we did was we sat down and said, who is our target audience and what value are we bringing to them? What is it that we are helping them do that they couldn't do otherwise? 
And, and by really considering that, sometimes you realize your original message, as much as you love it, isn't actually the one that resonates with your target audience. For instance, I love the fact that the roots and the foundation of my company is being a visual communication agency. But as great as that is, we looked at the value that our clients found in us. And while visual communication was an important piece, in the end, it was the quality of the end content. And visual communication is how we deliver that quality. But quality content's what mattered. So we really started thinking about it and realized creative content, that's what resonates with them. So, so when you think about what resonates with your audience, the words you choose in your messaging and your value proposition or your elevator pitch might become very different than what you value and what you think is the most valuable piece that you bring to the table. So when we changed to the creative content agency, as simple as that, it was an amazing switch for not just our current clients, but for all the new people coming our way, all the new clients, suddenly our leads got better, higher quality, and we were able to have better conversations as a result. So yeah, focus on that target audience and use the words that matter to them, not the words that matter to you. Yes, amen to that. That's amazing. What I love as well about you, Amy, is that you've donated over $5 million in services to nonprofits. And uh, I think it's really important to, to look at like, okay, cool. I get paid for what I do. You know, I have big impact. I get to work with great people and have huge credibility, but also how can I utilize my gifts, my tools that I'm blessed with, my skill sets to be able to also create impact. So I love that you're doing that too. I just wanted to note that there. Uh, beautiful stuff. Thank you very much. And it's, it goes back to that idea of social triggers. When you see visual content used in bad ways, you want to put it in the hands of people who are going to use it in the right way. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So if you're watching this or listening to this right now, make sure you pick up Amy's book. It's called Killer Visual Strategies. Engage any audience, improve comprehension, and get amazing results using visual communication. I love this. So, Amy, before we wrap up, uh, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Amy Balliot. You can find me on LinkedIn. Also, just linkedin.com slash Amy Balliot. Uh, I think I'm the only Balliot out there, basically, um, <laughs> who, who's on social. Um, and then um, you can find my book, Killer Visual Strategies, on Amazon. Wonderful. Awesome, Amy. So, Amy, we end every interview with this last question. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would your last 30 seconds sound like? Your parting advice. Take advantage of every mistake you make as an opportunity to be better. <laughs>